Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go in-depth on all things Cyclones. This is Cyclone Insider on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. He's Randy Peterson. I'm Travis Hines coming to you in the glorious month of March and the week of the postseason beginning with the Big 12 tournaments in Kansas City followed by Selection Sunday. Uh, Selection Sunday this weekend. Next weekend. This weekend. What are oh, you talking is, about? This is Monday. Randy, well, get dude, your stuff together, man. It's postseason. Dude, we just got done talking 20 minutes of politics <laughs> as we as we came up the elevator here. So. Yeah, we solved a lot of the world's problems. We did. We solved them all. But anyway, yeah. Iowa State looked like they solved all their problems on Saturday. How about that? Beating number eight Baylor sounded soundly. Really kind of kicked their Kick rear the ends <laughs> yeah. throughout that game in Waco. On senior day in Waco. Coming off the heels of four straight losses, seven of eight, kicked off Caleb Grill from the team for a violation of team rules or failure to live up to program expectations, I think was the preferred euphemism there from Iowa State. Pretty surprising result. I think Iowa State got back to playing the way that they were successful with earlier. And, you know, Randy, I talked about this in the postgame podcast I did while you were doing all the real work down in Waco, that I don't know that this was because Caleb Grill got kicked off the team. I don't know that this says anything about Caleb Grill as a person or a basketball player. To me, the story is this was a clarifying event for Iowa State that they had strayed from the path. They had lost their grip on the rope. And to get back to being a good basketball team, a team that can win games in March, they've got to be operating at 100% intensity, toughness, urgency at all times to be good, specifically on the defensive end. And I thought we saw that for the first time, certainly in a few weeks and maybe even longer on Saturday, where they were getting the loose balls, where they were pressuring defensively, where they were able to get out and transition and just play with that sense of urgency and that desperateness that I think we had not seen them play for in quite some time. It it got to the point, and this was this was. I don't know, at some point during the first half where Iowa State was starting to show its dominance in the paint, which we hadn't seen for a while. I mean, I mean, Iowa State kicked their butt by maybe 20 points in the paint. But, I mean, Iowa State was getting rebounds on the offensive, on its offensive end. We're getting offensive rebounds. And not just starting passing them out and 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 starting the offense over again, they were getting rebounds and either Shun or or Rob Jones or Trey King, they were getting the rebound, taking turning you know wheeling, taking one step and dunking. I mean, and uncontested, there was there weren't Baylor players around at all. I mean, and if 
and after the game, um, um, Drew said that, you know, he called it embarrassing. And if you're a Baylor fan, I, I suspect it was. Uh, my gosh. And it was the worst, the few, <clears throat> fewest points and a half that Baylor has scored all year and in a long time. And it was just domination by um, by the shock troops. I mean, I think I, I think I called them that. I was talking to TJ. You know how we do, Travis, you know how we do on the road. Um, it's, it's great when we go on the road with these guys. We just, it's very laid back. I was talking to TJ in the tunnel an hour before the game, just him and I in the bowels of the Farrell Center. And I, dude, I let him run the conversation. We talked about each other's families. Um, and then, and then, then I asked him, I said, well, what do you have to do to win this game? And he's, and that was boom. That just opened up the, opened up everything there. He said, he said, everybody's going to play, which I knew he'd already said that. He said, Everybody, everybody's going to play, and I'm going to play the guys that I'm going to start the, the, um, the A team and then, and then gradually get the other guys in there and, and finally see who's, who wants to play, who wants to win, who wants to do all the things that got us to that six-game winning streak earlier in the season. Lord, I didn't know he was going to do it in the first four or five minutes. Conrad Holly. The, the, the walk-on um, who wants to be on the survivor and wants to be a, a Navy SEAL, he was out there with, at, at, with five minutes into the first half. With a lead. With a lead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. So, I mean, it, and, and so I, I, I looked at the, the reporters that cover Baylor, and they looked at me, and I'm just holding my hands up in the air like, what the heck is going on? I don't know what's going on here. But um, – TJ got his point across, and and it was successful. Now, my question to you is, does he use the same formula at eleven thirty Wednesday against ba- or Thursday against Baylor at the whatever they call it now, T-Mobile Arena? <laughs> It'll be a good question. I think. I mean, obviously, that's a gimmick, right? Like, that just call exactly. it what it, it was, is. Yeah. It's a gimmick. It was an effective gimmick on Saturday, but I think it's probably one of significantly and. In- quickly uh, diminishing returns. So no, I wouldn't anticipate it, but like maybe Eli King and Hassan Ward get to play a few minutes. Like, sorry, Conrad Hawley. I think you're probably out of luck. Yes. That's a great point. Maybe Hassan Ward and Eli King. Like if there is a lull at the 13 minute mark, throw them in there and say, go play your ass off and see what happens. We'd not seen Hassan. I mean, obviously we'd not seen Eli. We'd not seen Hassan in a month. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he had played since the West Virginia game. Maybe. Um, which he didn't play well. West Virginia in. won. Yeah, yeah. The, I the mean, first, West Virginia in the Morgantown. First game, yes. Yeah. Um, and you know, Eli King. I don't think has played a meaningful second right. of Iowa State basketball in terms of you know playing when the game was not uh, already decided. Up time. Yeah. So for some like so that'll be the big question, and I think like Iowa State deserves all the credit in the world for going down to Waco and winning and beating a really good team. But Baylor played poorly. Iowa State had a lot to do with that. But Baylor played poorly other than the one stretch where they cut it to four early in the second half, and Iowa State absolutely landed a huge counterpunch. I think it was an 11 over run. Yeah. Like that, that is where they won the game, in my opinion. But the point stands is a lot came together for Iowa State to go out and have that kind of performance. You, know, you, you get the, the pop of us against the world, nobody believes in us. You get a Baylor team that just did not look right on a senior night mm-hmm. that I don't also think is it like, I think Iowa state is a good matchup for Baylor 
or excuse me, Baylor, Baylor is a good matchup a good, yeah. for Iowa State, which we can talk about here in a little bit because they square off again on Thursday. But you know they don't they don't pressure the ball like that they great. They try, but they it, yeah, it, it it's doesn't not, work. It, yeah. yeah, and that's that's it's the stuff loose. where Iowa State gets gets itself in trouble. But my point is is that a lot coalesced for Iowa State to get that result, and a lot of it is stuff they did, but some of it wasn't. So I do wonder. You know, is that repeatable? Not only Thursday, but beyond. Whether that's in the semifinals yeah. of the Big Twelve tournament or the NCAA tournament, but it also doesn't matter. The, the formula is there, right? Like we know, like we just talked about, they've just got to be the harder working team. They've got to be the tougher working, uh, the tougher team, the mo- most intense team, the team that plays with that desperateness. That that is the only way forward for this team. And if that slips even five percent, they're going to get beat. They're going to get beat on Thursday. Maybe they win the first game in the NCAA tournament, because I think they're going to get a favorable matchup. You know, they're probably looking sure. at what a six, six or seven, maybe yeah. depending how the, the, maybe even a five, I guess we shouldn't rule that out given the committee Not in Des Moines, the committee obviously really liked their resume when they had them as a three seed. So they yeah. might be, might have a higher estimation of Iowa state than the bracketologists right now. But my point is that they're going to have a favorable matchup in that first game in the NCAA tournament. The second game, they're going to have to be at their best. To win that game, if they're going back to the Sweet 16, they've got to be near their ceiling. Game one, they got to be there. Dude, game you just two. used the word Sweet 16. And this was a team that had just lost four straight, eight out of ten, or or whatever it is. Dude, the team last year scored 36 <laughs> points in a game at <laughs> home and went State. to the Sweet 16, like Against Oklahoma State, it, uh, and lost three straight going into the tourney. Yeah, and lo- <laughs> like got hammered by Texas Tech by 30. Yeah, in the the Big 12, the tournament. Big 12 tournament. So yeah, yeah, like I'm not ruling anything out here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this is. I said this last week. I think I don't remember if I said it publicly or privately. I thought talk last, some, yeah. I, yeah, I, I talk I, about I this basketball that. team way too damn much. I thought last year's team was more talented. Yeah. I think un, unequivocally, last year's team was more talented. This team's better though. Like they are better at winning basketball games. If that makes sense, there was more talent accumulated on last year's team, which is kind of crazy to say because I was not a super talented team. But this team when they play their best, is better constructed and better at executing the type of basketball you have to play to have more points than the other team at the end of the game. That sounds ridiculous to say, and like obviously like incredibly obvious and basic, but the they just, the way that they coalesce to me is really impressive, but they have to be playing a very, they have a very narrow band that they can operate within. You get outside that band, you're getting beat more often than not because you don't have the Isaiah Brockington to go out and get a bucket. You don't have the the, the three-point shooters you can spray to when the offense breaks down. You don't have as good as Shun has been. He's not an elite shot blocker at Iowa State that he was at St. Bonaventure for the most part. You don't have an eraser back there. They've got to play the way they play, and that is their way forward. And, yeah, exactly. And, well, just um, – I'm, didn't Tang uh, drum Tang Kansas State's Tang win the the coaches as coach of the year award? I think he did. Yeah. I think he did. I I find it I find any but I find it hard pressed for anybody to come up with a better one game strategical move than what TJ made on on Saturday. I mean that save that could save the season. What he did, um, and he told me he said he said that he was. He uh, he went out for a walk early in the morning at the hotel. Early in the morning at the hotel, he just went out walking around. He says, and he was thinking to himself, "Will this work?" He says, "I'm going to do it." He says, "I'm going to do it." 
He said, I'm not just coaching this team, it's coaching the teams going forward also. You know, if, and and there was there was a, he didn't say this, there's a point to be made, he does not say this, but there was a point to be made. And they got back the mojo that they, like you said, that this team has been built on and that, you know, it's, 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 uh, we'll see what it, what it means going forward. Yeah. I mean, sometimes when you hear coaches or even players talk about togetherness and we're so tight and, you know, we're just, we love each other and we're brothers and we got to, you know, we just have the best culture and we got to play together and unity. Sometimes, you know, your eyes can roll in the back of your head because ultimately like put the ball in the basket Mm -hmm. is how you win. Having said that, I do think yeah. with this team, for the reasons we just talked about, like that stuff matters. I think that they've got to be in it together to a degree that maybe other more talented teams don't have to be because, you know, if you can just put, if you can shoot 40% from three, if you can go get a bucket late in the shot clock, if you can have a lottery pick on your team that can paper over a lot of inefficiencies, you know, you probably don't have to have all that. If you've got, a fifth-year senior, you know, transfer from St. Bonaventure who started at junior college, and you've got, you know, a, a kid from Slovenia that started at Washington State and then found his way to Iowa State. You've got a freshman point guard from three miles down the road who was supposed to be the backup. Like, this is just, like, this team does not have the ability to paper over its mistakes and its deficiencies. We can all see them. We all know what they are, and we've seen them be exploited. And we've seen Iowa State out muscle teams, and where these are our deficiencies, but here's where we're really good at, and that's going to matter more. And I think, given like I talked about earlier, the narrow path that they have to walk, being completely bought into each other and to the roles that they're in and the way that they have to play is heightened in terms of its crucialness to winning basketball games. Do you think the fact that <clears throat> Iowa State is two and zero against Baylor this year is a is an advantage Iowa State or an advantage Baylor in the fact that it's a momentum I'm not momentum but but a revenge type thing in which I'm you know and 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 after the game I mean um, um, Drew was one whipped puppy up there on the on the um, on the podium I mean again you even got a technical in the first half I think it was and he's it looked like he might have been able to get a second one right there too but but uh um um who where do you think how do you think that that dichotomy is going to going to play out you know i have lots of thoughts on that and i'll tell them to you when we come <laughs> back on the cyclone insider radio hour from the des moines register here on 1063 fm and 1460 kxno this is Cyclone Insider on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. If you missed any of our discussion about Iowa State's improbable win over Baylor in the first segment, be sure to go back and listen to it wherever it is you subscribe and listen to your podcast. Randy, you asked me before we went to break where I what I thought of this rematch on Thursday, the third go round for Baylor and Iowa State. I do think Baylor, like the way that they play, is advantageous for Iowa State. I do wonder though that you just beat the hell out of them if they've got any sort of pride and as a top ten team on a program that won a national title two years ago and has had a coach been there now for damn near twenty five years. 
I would say the uh, the intangible psychological aspect of this game lies very solidly with Baylor because they're more talented than Iowa State. They're better than Iowa State. I do think it's a good matchup, but if they if if they go out and lose that game, that does not speak well to that program, like in a minuscule yeah. way, obviously. But you can't get your you can't get the hell beat out of you at home on Senior Day by a team that's lost four straight. Turn around, play them four days later, and not come out buzzing to beat the hell out of them. Iowa in an Sta- elimination tournament. Yes, Iowa State though is in Baylor's head. There's no question about that. And after the game, um, and Drew said that um, I, I I I think I asked a question. I asked a question about what surprised you about Iowa State today. And and he said he said everything Iowa State did is surprising was surprising. He said it was he said it was you didn't know what defense they were going to come out of during timeouts. Yeah, they he played said, some like two three and said, three two stuff. Every he yeah. said never he said that after every timeout they changed defenses. I don't know what that maybe maybe exaggeration. I don't have any idea because I don't. You watch that stuff more than I do. But he said they changed timeouts after every defense. He said, we didn't know what they were doing. We had no clue what they were doing. He said, he said, he said, but we have offenses that once we recognize what's going on, we have offenses that we're supposed to get into. He said, we couldn't get into those offenses. He said, because the time we get, about the time we'd get into them during a possession, they'd, Iowa State would switch. They'd, they'd switch. So that was, that was pretty impressive to me. So I think Iowa State is in their head, obviously. Yeah, it'll be like a lot of that stuff that they're doing is that they're coming out of timeouts in zone. And they did switch up the zones more than I've seen them do. And my guess is because they really only like that 1-3-1 when Jazz is at the front right. of it. Although I think Trey played a little bit on the front. So they were playing some like 2-3-3-2 three, three, thing. And I think when they get down to 10 seconds, I'd have to go back and look at the clock. They, they go into man. They just match up. And I, that is hard for offenses, but... If you're Baylor, like when you're doing it good, yeah, when you're doing it, and like, but if you're Baylor, like you've got talent, you've got bucket getters on that team, just go get a bucket, like that, like yeah. that would be. If I was Scott Drew, yes, you got to run your offense, and you got to be have court sense and basketball IQ to defeat that. But my challenge to them would be, this is a national championship program. You guys think that you can match what we did two years ago? Go get a bucket against a mediocre team on at home on Senior Day or. Go get a bucket against a team that just beat the hell out of you at home on Senior Day. Now that we're on the Big Twelve tournament stage, like that would be, I think that'll be a personal challenge. Mm-hmm. And again, like we talked about with the the play in the big rotation and playing Holly, like going gimmick defenses. Like again, I think probably has diminishing returns. Like that stuff, you can only surprise people one time with that kind of stuff. But it's it's up there though. It's up there. I mean, it's it's. So they'll have to prepare for that, and it takes away time in, in preparing for for something and for something else. And, and as I say that, how much preparing do opponents at this stage do do teams do on opponents anyway? I mean, is Iowa State going to be going to be prepping to play Baylor, or is Iowa State going to be prepping the next few days to to get better itself? I, they know what exactly what Baylor is going to do, right? Yeah, I mean, like I don't like they'll game plan, but like they just played them three days yeah. ago. Like the they know the personnel, they know what they're gonna do. 
you know, it'll be interesting to see again what Baylor does. Like, what adjustments do they make to the junk defenses? And they're not junk defenses, but to the switching defenses. Um, again, like my, my guess is is that it's going to just be a personal, um, pride thing. Mm-hmm. Like again, for all the reasons we just talked about. But I do think it's a good matchup because Baylor doesn't like to play with that intense ball pressure defense that has caused Iowa State a lot of trouble like that to me like will they try that or will they try some three-quarter court stuff will they try some trapping just to get Taman Lipsy and Jaron Holmes I was just gonna say if I'm Baylor, up and I, try and, to, I try to tap a, a trap Taman as soon as he gets the ball on the inbounds yeah I mean that like that'll I mean, I be try the to trap him anywhere you can that'll be if you're an Iowa State fan and you're watching on selection Sunday this weekend like just you want to avoid any high pressure defenses like that'll yeah. be like that is what gives them a ton of problems, and now you take Grill out of the equation, another ball handler. Whew, I mean, like that gets a little scary because you feel pretty good about Taman handling the ball, but not great. Like that, that dude as good as Taman has been, he's not Monte Morris in terms of taking care of the ball. Yeah, Jaron Holmes feel a little less great about, and then like who's your next ball handler, Gabe? Like that sometimes can be an adventure in the full court, and then Jazz, Trey King. Robert Eli. Jones, Ashun, like Eli. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like just the list of ball handlers is short, and the, the even the guys at the top of the list are not elite ball handlers and elite decision makers. You know, in Jaron's case, it's just not his, his skill set. He can do it in short bursts, and for Taman, I think he'll get there. But he's just a young and we freshman. Saw, we saw that in one of those tournament games in against not against North Carolina certainly, but against Villanova maybe. We, or Connecticut, we saw that where where Tama got in early foul trouble, and they were, they that was there's like somebody cut off their head. Yeah, I mean, like you go back to the comeback that Texas Tech had in Lubbock. Like a lot of yeah. that was just that they were going to harass Tama every time he dribbled the ball, yeah. and they, you know, they they beat him. They got the better of him. Um, so I mean, we'll see. I think Iowa State has a good shot to advance, but you know, I, I would still pick Baylor. I think Baylor will be the favorite by a few points even after what happened on Saturday. Um, when you look at the whole field, Randy, what is your thought of the Big 12 tournament? And then, like, on top of it, like, Mark Adams is probably getting fired at Texas Tech. Right. Which, like, okay, didn't see that coming. <laughs> um, so kind of a, you know, last year we didn't, was it last year Oklahoma State didn't play in the tournament? Now you got a team with yeah. a, you got two teams with interim coaches between Texas Tech and Texas. Texas. So kind of a weird Big 12 tournament. And let me ask you this one. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I know this is a cliche that anybody can eat, can beat anybody, but by golly, they have beaten it. Anybody has beaten anybody. What if West Virginia gets on a roll? What if West Virginia wins the, wins the tournament? What? Let me back up. What if they get to the championship game? Selection committee take nine. I, I don't know. I haven't been paying close enough attention to the bubble because Iowa State's not on it, so I I don't have right, a sense yeah. of how strong the bubble I mean is. I, would, like the, I would think I Texas would, Tech would be the only or I'm sorry it, they'd have to Oklahoma and okay they take eight Oklahoma and Texas Tech would be the only exclusions yeah I mean I think obviously I keep forgetting the, about Oklahoma being so bad and they could play they, their way into something too my guys they killed TCU on Saturday <laughs> I know, that's why exactly. Iowa State's playing on Thursday morning yeah, instead of th- Thursday thank night you. Um, yeah they can play their way yeah speaking of anybody beating anybody my gosh but uh um, who I, 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 I'm going to say Kansas is still the favorite to win the whole thing. What do you think? I'll take Texas 
I mean, I think wow. Texas is the the most talented team in the league, which again speaks to what an amazing program Bill Self runs in Lawrence. I mean, I don't know that there's any accolades I can give Bill Self or point out anything that nobody else already has that are much smarter and uh, more prominent than me. But like the way that that program just churns out victories, Big Twelve championships, but yeah, two national Texas? titles. Well, I think over the the course. Like that stuff plays itself out over the course of eighteen games. I think three day games in three days is like I tend to lean on talent a little bit, and I think Texas is really talented. And I think you know Rodney Terry can coach too, like not at a Hall of Fame right. level that we've seen yet, but like I don't think that that he's not an empty uh, windbreaker there. Does he the, get? Does he? Does he continue there? You think? I would think a Final Four, maybe. I mean, that's kind of what I've heard is that, like, if yeah. he gets it, it's going to be because he forced them. They're going to have to the, run. Forced the yeah. Texas administration to hire him because I think th- they would prefer to have a higher profile person. You know, I mean, like, when you're talking about John Calipari as being on the shortlist, like, hiring Calvin. The, yeah, Calvin. Hiring the assistant, I think, is not. Yeah. High on the priority list. I don't know list. whether Calvin's on their list or Calvin would even want it, but I would think they'd have to go look at him. Who were we talking to? You and I were talking to somebody. Oh, and, and what about um, what's his face? Um, who am I thinking about? Virginia coach um, Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that Tony Bennett. I mean, he seems like such a low maintenance guy that you stick him in Austin and with the boosters and the maybe the everything yeah. there. Like, I don't know that that's a maybe great cultural fit, but like style but I mean, of play wise, like they obviously don't care. They hired Chris Beard that wasn't going to come out and play like high pro like high scoring and they still don't have a coach i mean they're who knows maybe they'll keep where um, coach terry too so yeah my my guess would be if it's not rodney terry then it's somebody extremely high profile in the college game or do they go get an nba guy Mm -hmm. you know like before quinn snyder just got hired in atlanta he was a guy that was mentioned you know do they go try to get former nba coach i don't know i think grant mccasland is the the clear favorite to get that Texas Tech job, you know, should ultimately Mark Adams be fired, which it seems like that's basically a that's, foregone that's conclusion. That's been down. There, that's yeah. People were t- been talking about that down there for a long time. So I mean, this isn't just just a one one off thing. It's been um, in the eyes of of Red Raiders fan, they've been under underperforming for a while. Plus, they have that new practice facility right across the street, and um, yeah, so. I guess we'll see. Yeah, now that they go make a run at their former coach now. What? Do they go after Chris Beard? The oh, that the charges dropped Chris Beard. Wow. I wouldn't think so, but I, from what I've heard is there are a couple of boosters who would very much like to see that happen now. That would be very interesting. We'll yeah. see. It's going to be an interesting few days in Kansas City and certainly many interesting days thereafter as the NCAA tournament will get going. You'll have all the coverage you could ever possibly want on DesMoinsRegister.com. For Randy Peterson, I'm Travis Hines. This has been the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.